This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I think now the, to evolve, roughing the passer and protecting the quarterback is essentially what we're doing in this league. We got to be able to look at roughing the passers in the booth. You, 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 you take a look at the uh, Grady Jarrett situation. I was going to ask you about that. Did you see that one from yesterday? Of course. It's all over Twitter. And, 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 and what type of situation that was in the game. That was the third down stop also. And then when you take that in the initiative, if we're able to view it in the booth and the referees can get a second look because it's happening so fast, maybe we can change that because now it's getting absurd. You know what I'm saying? Now it's causing teams games. You know, that was a fourth down stop on Grady Jarrett. They, the team would have got the ball back, and, and you know, who, who knows what would have happened. But for them not to be able to, to look at that, you know, when you sit on videos, you know, you can, you know, and faster, when, it, when it's faster you on the field and happen that fast, you know, the ref, they might see something different. But when they're able to, like, look at the video and see that it's not roughing the passers, a lot of these roughing the passers would be called back. You know, initially, like today, you know, roughing the passer, I actually stripped the ball and gravity kind of took me to the ground. And that's a roughing the passer call in a critical situation in the game. It's third down. We're down 10 points. You know what I mean? And that's a momentum shift in the game that, that, that could have affected us. Did you, know you get what an explanation? There's no need for an explanation, okay? So when I'm going to go up to him and say, how should I tackle? How should I not roll on him? I'm trying my best. I'm 340, 25 pounds, okay? What do you want me to do? Oh, we love you here, brother from another, Chris Jones. We love you, Kansas City Chiefs. Last night, really interesting situation in the game. And Jim Trotter, uh, first of all, you broke your promise. Uh, you told me today that you were going to wear a Richard Pryor shirt live at the Sunset Strip. Uh, that was from 1982. You didn't wear that shirt, but that's okay because we got something that connects even more appropriately to what we've been watching in the NFL. It's not Richard Pryor. It's someone who grew up watching Richard Pryor. His name is Eddie Murphy. Around about 1987, 1988, he had a concert film. It was called Raw. And one of the scenes in Raw, uh, Eddie Murphy explained how sometimes somebody can be caught red-handed. I'm not going to get into the details because it's only 3 o'clock Eastern and it's too early to be telling this kind of you know, off-color story, but I'll just give you like, a, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version. Uh, you can be caught red-handed doing something that you shouldn't be doing. I can look at you and say, oh, I see what's happening, and you turn around and say, it wasn't me. Oh, wait a minute. I saw you walk into the house. I saw her walk into the house. I saw what y'all was doing. It wasn't me. And that's what the NFL is doing to us right now. It wasn't me. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We know exactly what's happening. You're telling us it's roughing the passer. You're telling us it's roughing the passer. We're saying, no, 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 it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is roughing the passer. No, it's not. And the, Jim, what, 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 really, what really insults your intelligence mind and every football fan watching 
nationally and globally in this international game. What really insults us all is a situation last night where Chris Jones has the football. Chris Jones has the football. He has taken the football away from Derek Carr and he's going the other direction with the football. And this dude, Carl Sheffers, says, <laughs> You landed with your full body weight on the quarterback. No, man. I got the quarterback. I mean, I got the, I got the, I got the football. I'm not even thinking about the quarterback. I got the ball. And he calls roughing the passer. Jim, I just don't know what to do. I, I appreciate Chris Jones and his comments, but I really don't have any solutions here. You're a professor. You're wearing great glasses today. So tell me, what's the answer? <laughs> well, first off, you've given me a lot of things to clean up here. So let me start with number one off the top. I did make a promise to you, but as you said, this is still the children's hour. And so I could not wear that off-colored shirt on air. No matter what Chris Sims was saying last week, I just couldn't bring myself to do that, you know, because folks look at us a little differently as we'll get to with David Tepper. Um, secondly, <laughs> you know where I work. I'm employed by the National Football League. I have been instructed and told that I'm not allowed to opine on officiating. I can report mm. what others are saying, but me personally, I cannot mm. opine on it. That being said, then, I will report on what others are saying about it. Right. Others are saying it is total BS. Again, we're in the, we are in the family hour. When someone yeah. is respected and someone with such great wisdom as Tony Dungy even comes out and says, this is terrible. The NFL is getting it wrong. And then comments when two videos are put up, the one where um, there was the roughing penalty against Grady Jarrett, and they say that Grady Jarrett unnecessarily threw Tom Brady to the ground. And then there is a video of the same exact thing being done to Patrick Mahomes last night, and there was no penalty flag. So Tony Dungy asked the question I think all of us are asking, why is one a penalty and the other is not? And so the Associated Press is, yeah, the Associated Press has come out today and said that the league, according to its sources, is going to discuss this, but that no change to this rule is expected this year. And I think that just, oh, oh ooh, I almost, I almost opined. I almost opined. Oh, you, you're just reporting. Stopped, you're, just, you're just reporting yes, on I'm what just you're reporting. saying. That's all. I, so let me say when Chris Jones says that it should be reviewable, I, for one, know that there are many people that agree with him. I am reporting here. Many people agree yeah. that at the very least, it should be reviewable. If the college game can take time out to review targeting calls, etc., then the NFL should be allowed to stop play to review these roughing calls because of, as, as Chris Jones and Grady Jarrett both have said, now you're talking about potentially affecting players' livelihoods, coaches' livelihoods, because these calls have impacts yeah. potentially on the outcome of Amen. games. If Grady Amen, Jarrett yeah. 
Grady Jarrett makes that stop and it's allowed, I don't know if the Falcons win, but I do know they have an opportunity right. to try and win that right. game. And that's all you ever ask for in life is an opportunity. And now that's being taken away from these players who have done by what everyone else seems to say, nothing wrong. Hey, hey, Jim, you, you, you're right on the money and your reporting as usual is excellent. Excellent reporting <laughs> to to what to what's happening. And you know, I just I, I, I look at this and I hear Chris Jones. Great comments post game. You want to talk about, you know, writing your story for you. The Chiefs win the game. Uh, it's a close. It's a one point game and we can talk about some of the dynamics and some of the decisions that were made in the game a little bit later, but they win the game. Uh, and he winds up being a factor, but not for the wrong reasons, because he was a handful all night. He was getting held and and grabbed and pushed hands to the face, and they weren't. They didn't call a lot of the things that the Raiders were doing to Chris Jones just to keep him away from Derek Carr, because he was around the quarterback a lot of the night. But well, conversely, I, I let's be let's be fair. Let's be fair here. They also did not call a lot of things that were being done to Max Crosby. Sure, because Max sure, Crosby that's right. was being Got held Max and Crosby. other things. Yep. much of the night they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't contain him early. It was like, oh, this could be a problem. I don't know how Patrick is going to be able to drop back several times and just be relaxed. <laughs> but Jones said something that I just just don't I don't think it's going is true, and I'm glad he believes it. Maybe I can take some of his optimism optimism and absorb it into my own life and my own lenses. But he said if they had an opportunity to review. Uh, roughing a passer, these officials would get it right. I don't think so. I don't even think they'd get it right on review because there's a hubris there. There's an arrogance. There is a I know better than you do air that comes from some of them, and you hear it in the pool report. So th this is how you know you got somebody. This is how you did just in general, in football or anywhere else. If I tell you something you did wrong and you try to lawyer me, <laughs> you, you try to, you know, you go try to dot my eyes for me and cross my T's. Well, you know, I'll tell you what a catch actually a catch is is firm grasp and control to the ground. No, I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you for a definition. I asked you what was that? Well, how about that thing? Don't give me a definition. What was that thing you saw? Well, you know, uh, a quarter is roughing the passer when XYZ happens. Yeah, I got it. But what happened? Was that it? And so they will go on and on about rules and definitions and what I saw and interpretation and give you like where it is in the rule book and not really address the issue. And I think the issue is this. I, okay, now, I, I, I've said this before. And people say, okay, that's going to fix it. That gonna, is that going to make them not make mistakes? No, but my proposal is not necessarily a fixed proposal. It's a proposal to make you 2% better. Two to three percent better, Jim. Let me ask a question. I'm just gonna ask you this simple. When you are, when you have three things to do, and you have one thing to do. Let's say over here, column column A, you got three things to do, and you do those three things. Column B, you got one thing to do, and you do that one thing. Where will you be more productive? You'd be more productive if you got three things to do and get them done, or one thing to do and get it done. It depends on what that one thing is. <laughs> hey, I think for me, I'm gonna answer my own question. I do a lot of things. I got a lot of things going on. Okay. But if I could just do 
one thing. If I could do one thing, I think I'd be pretty good at it. And so NFL officials, not that it will fix what they're doing. Yeah, I know on where you're Monday, going. Tuesday, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for those who are working on Sunday, they're not NFL officials. They're judges. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Jim knows I'm telling the truth. Right. They're judges. Yeah. They're dentists. They're school Accountants. teachers. Accountants. I mean, they're doing all these things. And then start to get to the weekend. Oh, oh yeah, I'm also an NFL official. Wait a minute, you mean to tell me? Hold on, let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. You got some of the richest people in the world. It is the most lucrative sports league in North America, one of the most lucrative sports leagues in the world. And you have part-timers? You got part-timers kind of officiating the product? All right. And I know, I know they'd be a two or three percent better, Jim, if they could only focus on being officials. Because let's say I'm just, I'm just saying this for a friend. I'm not telling me, I'm not telling you my own story. This is not my own autobiography. Maybe I'm just telling you for a friend. Let's say I'm running into some legal problems. Let's say I got a little legal situation. I'm hemmed up. It's Tuesday. I got problems. I call my lawyer. Let's say my lawyer's name is Jerome Bogar, for example. I don't know what he does, but say, hey, Jerome, Jerome, man, I, I got a situation. I need you to give you, I need you to give me your full focus on this legal situation. And Jerome Bogar gives me his attention on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> he's out. Hey, man, my life is in the balance. He's out because he's focused on Buccaneers Falcons. Come on, man. These people should be full time. They should, they should be full time officials. That would that's part of the problem right there. They don't do enough study of the job. They're not working on the job enough. Nah, I, I and you know, you know, I love you, Michael, and and you are the professor as well. But I got to disagree with you on this one. The one thing Why? is, you can ha you can have a rule, and there is still the element of the human factor, even when it comes to applying that rule. So what I say about roughing the passer is you can hide behind the legalese if you wish, but to me, certain things are a lot like we talk about the definition of pornography. You know it when you see it. Mm. When you see a roughing call that is obvious to everyone and you hide behind legalese, there's a problem. And, 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 and for me, part of what gets me at times with officiating is just sort of the common sense that's taken out of it. You know, we all know yeah. what we see, you know, and like we talk about what's a catch. We know what a catch is when we see it, but we got to hide behind whatever that definition is that, that the NFL comes up with, or even in other sports leagues, whatever def definition yeah. they come up with for certain situations. So for me, again, I go back to this, just, just fundamentally, you know roughing when you see it. When you saw Grady Jarrett's play, I don't know. I, I still don't know of anyone outside of the officials in that game who said that was roughing. And yeah. when we saw Chris Jones last night, again, I'm reporting here. I don't know of anyone who said outside of the officiating crew that that was roughing. And so there's your problem. So I, that's why I put in my feed there. Are we being asked not to believe our eyes as we right. watch some of the calls that are being made here? So let me just get this straight. You don't think they'd be two to three percent better? No. If we had how many officials they got? About seven. You don't think they'd be better? 
No. I really don't. They got 17 guys. Uh, I think it's 17 officials. So. I really don't. Let's say. Because some some of the things. Because, again, some of the things are simply an interpretation of the rules. And whenever you are interpreting the rules, there is the human element there. And you're never going to remove that completely from the game, I believe. So it's like, for instance, let, let, and it may be a bad analogy, but let's just say no, the spotting right. of the football. Do, no, do it. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it's it on. all good. But but the spotting of the football. We say the NFL, as you talked about, how lucrative this league is in terms of North America and even the world. And we're all saying, why can't there be some sort of chip in the football that can line up and tell us exactly where a ball should be spotted? So, for instance, on the on the on the two point attempt by the Raiders last night by Josh uh, Jacobs. It's just a mass of humanity in there. That's right. Can we, categ- can we categorically say that that ball did not cross the goal line before his knee or elbow or something else touched down? I can't, but I wonder if, if, if technology were used, could we have had a more um, objective, for lack of a better yeah. word, determination? So anytime the okay. human element is involved, I think we're going to have things like this where we say they didn't get it right. And that's just the way it's going to be. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, and, and then uh, then we'll move on and talk with our brother, uh, uh, Mark Spears, after a little bit of a break, because there's a lot of NBA news we got to get to as well. Ooh. Football news, NBA news. I love this time of year. Uh, September, October, November, things happening, baseball, playoffs, NFL starting, college football starting, you know, basketball, training camps, beginning of the regular season, so much happening. Hockey is starting. Hockey. I don't know about hockey, but hockey Uh, is starting uh, here in Boston. Here in Boston tomorrow starts uh, the Bruins uh, open their season. So, um, let me ask you, you said the human element, I agree. Once you you bring in folks and their interpretation, you're going to have 25 different explanations, but why don't they use technology? What you explained ha- has happened. I mean, it happens in tennis. Tennis uses technology to the point where tennis players don't, it's not old school John McEnroe trying to argue with somebody right. like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, those McEnroe rants that wouldn't exist today because it's all tech and tech gets it right. So why can't does football not want to? You can put it. You can easily put a chip in the ball, easily. Mike, you Michael, it's a problem. great question. It's a great question and one for which I don't have an answer. But I will say to you, as you talked about the baseball playoffs going on, I never thought growing up I would ever see a time where on the screen we would see pitches being charted in terms of is it in this box for a strike or is it not? You know, in in real time. And at what point does baseball almost say, you know what, we don't need officials in terms of balls and strikes being called because we have the technology now that shows where the pitch is as it crosses the plates in relationship to the batter who's in the box, that sort of thing. Um, so I say to you to say the technology is there to do a number of things to, to hopefully improve sport. Why the NFL doesn't use it or why it has not, I can't say definitively because I have not asked that question. But I will say this to you. It is a question I will ask to try and get an I like answer. it. I'm glad you're asking. Okay. And, and as we uh, as we get ready for Mark Spears, we take a break. I'm glad you're going to ask that uh, in a football context. Don't ask that in baseball. 
Because you know what? You know what I miss from baseball? Who you gonna argue with? Remember those? Remember Same. like Earl Same. Weaver and, no, and, and Tommy Lasorda, the pot-bellied manager, kind of amble out there. He's got the chew in there, and he's going belly to belly with the with the young player. We don't see that anymore. You can't do that. But you can't do that with a. But I know you can't do that with technology. It'd be like fighting against your TV or something. Like who you gonna argue with? You gonna have a robot? Then you have a robot out there. Just go out there and push the robot around. You gotta need, you need day, somebody. One day we will. You watch. One day we will. Like when you're argumentative, you need somebody to argue with at all times. <laughs> even if that person is not, even that person's not arguing back, you just need somebody there. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Draymond, we've seen you have this like fun, good relationship with Jordan, and then obviously the incident happening. Could you clarify like how you feel about Jordan Poole? I love Jordan Poole. That's my guy. Um, you know, I like I said to Jordan, I will still ride for Jordan. I still advocate for Jordan. I will still do anything that I can to make Jordan's job easy, to make Jordan look good to get him the things that he want out of basketball that I can help from a teammate's perspective. That's that. Uh, my feelings towards Jordan does not change. Uh, it's a reason Jordan's locker is next to mine uh, from day one, you know, and that has changed a little bit. That dynamic has changed a little bit. It's on me to make that right and get it back, you know, but as far as my feelings for Jordan goes, um, you know, I'm the guy who supported Jordan when he was sent to the G League bubble when no one thought he had a chance. You know, I'm the guy calling him. Hey, man, you should be doing this or good game. Calling Weems. Hey, Weems, I just heard this. Is this true? Weems saying, yeah. Uh, all right. Let me call Jordan and figure this out. You know, I, that's me. You know, um, that don't change, uh, you know, at all. Love don't. My love is real. You know, love don't just go by the wayside my love is there you know and my love ain't going nowhere my love is real man sound like something from al green or bobby caldwell (laughs) oh man my flame okay (laughs) something like that but uh, mark spears uh ace basketball reporter from anscape been doing it at a high level for a long time. So we're talking about this and we're showing this Draymond Green clip, Mark, because of what we saw. Uh, the video from TMZ, we see Draymond Green, you know, punch Jordan Poole. Now he's taking some time away. And I just wonder, uh, did your, you know, there was what you knew before that video came out and then the video gave, gave a different view. Like, how did it change for you, just from a reporting standpoint? How did things change once that once we uh, became aware of that video? I mean, certainly when you see something, it, it gives a, a, a greater feeling to you, right? You know, um, perhaps the reason why we talk more about 
what Donald Sterling did rather than uh, Sarver's because we heard audio. And, and um, it's a lot, it's like a lot of things in this world. When you see it, when you hear it, it hits you harder. Uh, no pun intended there. Um, I, I think that the video being leaked out and all of us are veteran journalists, we're probably pretty stunned by that, how it got out. And that's a story for another day. But, you know, um, perhaps the Warriors downplayed what happened, but what happened, happened. And as you guys know, like fights happen in practice all the time. They usually don't escalate to that level, but typically there's probably about four or five things behind the scenes that happen with a team a year. Um, and Draymond, uh, what do you, you didn't hear there amongst the many things he said was that he had a lot of things going on um, family-wise, personally, that affected where he is. And so, which is kind of surprising about that is, you know, the basketball court is typically a sanctuary. The playing field is a sanctuary for players where you can leave your past, your drama, everything going on with you behind for two hours and concentrate. So I'm sure if Draymond had the ability to go back in time and pay whatever he needed to pay to change that moment, he would. Um, but sadly for him, it's, um, it's a scarlet letter that probably won't go away. And uh, hopefully in time, you know, Jordan will forgive him. The team will forgive him. He will be back. But I know he worked out at the arena yesterday by himself. He probably worked out today. He, I'm hearing he's in a good space. And, but he's, you know, waiting for his, his teammates to basically give him the green light to come back. And he, he still hopes to play in opening night a week from today. Mark, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, you know this team. Um, Draymond has had incidents in the past. And we know in 2018 he was suspended for a game because of the dust-up in the locker room with Durant. How much do you think this incident affects him um, on a personal level? You know, the other stuff is the other stuff, and we know he's an emotional guy and all of that. But this was different. I mean, even from the yeah. way that his teammates responded and, and even from the way that Coach Kerr responded, how much do you think this – this affects Draymond going forward, just in terms of who he is and how, how he goes about what he does. Well, I, I think what probably affects him more is how it affects Jordan, how it affects his family. You know, every time they play a game on the road this season and some fan says something smart to Jordan Poole or you see something on Instagram where, like, I, I've seen rap songs about it, right, or uh, different little memes making fun of it, you know, I know uh, Draymond has a heart and he has some feelings and he, he probably is like, man, like makes you feel worse about it than you already do because it, it's not going to go away. It's going to travel with them all season. Maybe it travels with Jordan for some of his career. And I mean, by some of the moves you saw in the last preseason game, this kid is special, man. He's about to get paid. I expect the Warriors to take care of him before Monday's deadline. But the sincerest ap apologies that Draymond gave still doesn't just make this go away. Um, it, it's an unwashable stain. And um, there's going to be some aftermath that's going to be difficult for both of them to deal with this season. But probably with each passing day, it gets a little bit easier. But, I, I, you know, hey, man, y'all know how social media is. You know how the cameras are, like uh, uh, ESPN, like... Turner, Draymond's employer, like they're going to have a camera on him and Jordan all game, every game, waiting for something. We're all going to be watching. It just, 
it's just not going to go away overnight. But hopefully the main thing is as a team, it seemed like things were boiling between the two. And perhaps it was better that it boiled over before the season than during it. There you go. There we go. But do Mark you... I was saying, I, I was just about to say, I, I feel like something's being unsaid here because you mentioned that there are four or five incidents that happen with e- each team every year. And we've all covered teams and we know that statement to be 100% true that you just said, Mark. Um, and, and maybe they don't progress to this level, but incidents do happen. So why, why is there this space? There's something else going on here. Why, why are we waiting for the Warriors to uh, take Draymond back, or are we not waiting for that? Are we waiting for the Warriors? I think we we're waiting for his teammates to take him back. I, okay, I, but I why are we waiting for the teammates to do it? Why are we waiting for the teammates if this happens often? And it's Draymond. And yeah. He's a captain. He's a leader. What's going on? Something else is going on. Um. Well, let me ask you this: If the tape doesn't come out, is it escalated to this? No. No. That you uh, know what? That is a great point, Mark. Because even Steve Kerr said publicly that they are able to control these situations if it doesn't get out, and and that's what I think really upset him as much as anything, other than the act itself, is he said they could control these situations without the outside world knowing. And so to your point, Michael, that's what I was going to ask you about, Mark. Is this solvable within that locker room or does Draymond have to go? I don't I I think they fix it. I mean, the, the one thing I've noticed about Jordan is he, he was back practicing that day, right? Um, he was amazing in his first games. So basketball-wise, I think he's fine. And I give Draymond on this too. He 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 ain't he ain't making no excuses. So, you know, I I do respect the fact that he's he's taking some humility, taking some time to reflect on his issues, taking some, you know, being honest about his faults and what he needs to fix. And uh, but ultimately the Warriors need Jordan to win a championship and they need Draymond to win a championship. And both of those guys know it. And so, yeah. you know how it is, man. It, 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 it might be one of those things where maybe the players just got to go have dinner in a room together and like, yo, man, let's just get this all out before the season starts. Let's yeah. get this all out and make ring night a special night. So may, may, maybe yeah. it might be uncomfortable and awkward to all the fans, and you know we're going to hear it wherever we go. But let's let maybe they this brings them closer because I'm going to tell you what, this team is actually better than the one that won a championship. Yeah, really. So they got to yeah. fix it. Okay. Uh, wow. Uh, okay. Let, let's uh, let's talk basketball then because if you if you're saying that. What make what makes them better? Are you just going on th- off the development of Kaminga, and uh, are you saying uh, Jordan Poole? His assist, like what, what makes them better than the one that won a championship? They did lose. They lost a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. They lost uh, uh, Peyton uh, Gary Payton Jr. Or the, or the yeah. second. They lost uh, Otto Porter. So why are they better? Yeah. Well, let's start with the young guys you mentioned. Like I mean, Wiseman is going to be very very special for this team in a way that Andrew Bogut was when he was healthy. Now they have a rim protector, which they didn't have all last season. They didn't have any size. They have it in him, a guy that could catch alley-oops, rebound, block shots. Moses Moody, he's going to pick it up. 
He's going to be a great scorer, very mature kid, doing very well. Kaminga, you saw flashes of what Kaminga's going to do. This It's not his rookie season either. He's going to help him out. I really do. I Keep an him. eye on this kid, Patrick Baldwin Jr. They call him PB&J. It's a 6'10 kid who's shooting threes, who I don't know how much he'll play early, but he's going to play later. Adding DiVincenzo, I think, was a very, very nice pick for them. Um, and keep in mind, Clay showing up in January. Clay is here. Um, he hasn't played in the preseason. We'll see if he plays tonight. But uh, let's see what Clay, you know, this is this is a different Clay. This isn't like Clay's been there, done that. They're healthy. Um, they're more, they, they got their stride back. Like, like to me, uh, the youth being mature and Clay being back, how can they not be any better than they were a year before? Mark, you know, I want to ask Jordan you. Poole is Jordan Poole, right? Steph yeah. and Steph. We we haven't even mentioned Steph's name, but <laughs> <laughs> like Steph and Steph. But you mentioned Wiseman to me, who is such an interesting figure in all of this. And I wonder, obviously, you know him better than we do. Um, Wiseman has always been the guy, whether you know, high school, even that that one year in college and whatnot, where he's an offensive threat. The offense will typically run through him. And now he's going to be a true role player with what they have around him. Yeah. How does a young guy like that deal with that in terms of, of who has the, the the prodigious talents that he has yeah. to say, you know what, I got to step back some and be a part of something and not sort of the hub that everything revolves around. Well, Jim, man, I think his appreciation just to play the game of basketball you know, mm-hmm. rises above everything else. He basically okay. missed most most of his freshman year because of NCA dumbness. I'm gonna call it. I don't right. even know if that's a word, but I'm gonna call it that dumbness. Yeah, um, just make it one. Yeah, and his 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 injuries that he's been plagued with first two seasons of his career. Like, I don't think he's worried about his role. I think he's just happy to be on the floor. Uh, perhaps that rises as things go and, you know, Looney is going to start and perhaps he, he, he doesn't start, get the starting position this season, but you know, he's going to have a heck of a role with this team. They're going to need a size. I mean, what do you do when Embiid's playing? What do you do when Joker's playing? You need guys like him and and he just gives them something different. You know, that only oop factor on the team uh in the half court i mean the size the rebounding i i I think there was a hole that the warriors got lucky with during the playoffs in terms of matchups that they weren't exploited by due to the other teams like lack of size or or injuries um it was it was uh not having a guy that um uh, not having wiseman there that certainly their lack of size certainly could have been something that could have been exploited a lot more. Yeah, I don't think you know casual what? fans realize how good or how talented Wiseman really is. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, they're going to learn. I am they're looking forward soon. to seeing his development. <laughs> yeah. They're going to learn yeah. soon. Well, it, you know, I, I know, uh, Mark Spears, you know a lot of people. You talk to a lot of people. I want you to dig deep into your mental notebook and pull out the, the most interesting or the most the most shocking quote somebody in the game has told you about young Victor Wimbenyama oh, and how he is going to change basketball. Let's, let's, 
What did somebody tell you? You were like, oh, really? Uh, about this kid, the 7-4 slash 7-5. I've seen 7-4, I've seen 7-5, but I know whether it is, whether he's 7-4, 7-5, he can shoot three, he can roll <laughs> to the basket, he can defend, he got handle, uh, he's fluent in English and French, um, charismatic. So what have you heard about this kid? You remember uh, that look in Pulp Fiction when they opened a briefcase and that smile? They had, like that's, Vic, that's Vincent, what I feel like I saw in the brief. Like I know it's in the briefcase now, like something like that. I was there in Vegas last week, and I was just like jaw dropped, along with the other media, along with the fans, along with everybody. Uh, whether it was Devin Booker, or Asia Wilson, or Chris Paul, like we were stunned, Boogie Cousins, at what we saw. This kid was phenomenal. So here's your quote. I talked to C.J. McCollum about him, who's been watching him for two years and watching some workout tape for him for two years. And he goes, think about this. The kid plays in his first kind of NBA-sanctioned game, and he made seven of 11 three-pointers. How many, he asked me, he said, how many NBA players can make seven of 11 threes by themselves? He's like, that's Steph Curry territory, and he's 7'4". So I will say this, if somehow, some way, you are in the vicinity of watching this kid play, you have to go, you have to see it. Like TV does not do it justice. And wow. like to me, his greatest play, he did this crossover at the top of the key. He did a crossover step back three and got fouled. It's like, come on, man. I saw him dive for the floor to get a ball. He moves like a, 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 a small forward. Like, he's not supposed to move like that. Maybe Ralph Sampson moved like that. I don't know. But I, he did. I, he's not supposed to move like that. He was shooting threes, leaning. Like, leaning in the air and shooting them and nailing them. Like, who does that? Ray Allen, maybe? Chris Mullen, Larry Burr? Like, how many guys can do that? And I, I just feel like I just saw, like, just when you think, that there can't be another evolution in the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. You see it. And now I'm like, hmm, that's why the NBA is investing in Africa the way it is and trying to get more of these, like, seven-foot African kids, these athletic African kids to start hooping. Because, like, 10 years from now, there might be eight or 10 Victor Wambanyanas in the league, right? Cool. It's just um, – I mean, I'm going way ahead with this, but now they're building a foundation in, in Africa to like develop more guys. And this ain't my coach growing up with all due respect to my coaches. They were like, boy, get your, take your button to the post. Like these kids are right. taught all the skills now. And, and that his shout out to his uh, agent, Buna Njai, um, for putting a team around him where now he's only playing one game a week. Um, he, he's got a strength coach. He's got a nutritionist. He's got somebody to stretch him properly. He has a doctor. He has a team around him on a daily basis to make sure that they get him right. Like he stretches before the game, during the game, when he's about to go back in, after the game. This is not a game with this kid. They know what they have. Mm. They're bringing him along slowly. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, like, I haven't been this excited about a prospect 
probably since LeBron and Yao Ming. Wow. Oh, so that you know what that tells you, Mark? The next time, the next time we talk about him, the three of us, what's the place in Oakland? We're gonna go to a, a breakfast Lois spot the in pie Oakland. Queen. <laughs> Lois the pie queen owes me one of them poke chops. Now, them poke chops. <laughs> okay. Hey, they got pork chops for breakfast. Pork chops. Yeah, of course. Why not? Oh, of course. Yeah. But of course, of course, you, yeah. you gotta I have. I think that's excuse. the Reggie Jackson meal. That's, that's no, the Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Meal. No, Michael. We gotta make it our mission to have a Mark Spears meal on that menu. We gotta make it our yeah. mission. You know, hey, so I it, know it, I'm gonna it, be up it, in the it, building Reggie, in a couple of weeks. I'll be by. Is Reggie Jackson talking about Lola's the Pie Queen right now? Is Reggie doing that? No, but Mark Spears is. So there exactly. should be a Mark Spears. I so did we will see, see Reggie there, Jackson Mark. a couple years ago at a uh, A's game. I mean, at a Warriors game, wearing a Yankees hat, and I told him, "Man, it really breaks my heart that you would wear that cap right next to the Coliseum." And I noticed about 15 minutes later, he took the hat off. So maybe I ah, oh, see. There you go. There you go. Mark, yeah. Mark Smith Mark. got that clout. Go ahead. There it is. He said, and you got to his. You appeal to his heart. You said it breaks my heart. Yeah. You didn't say you should be ashamed of yourself. You said you, you're breaking my he, heart, Reggie. He played with the uh, Good to basketball see you, Mark. jersey wearing A's. That those A's. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World? Like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Um, there's a lot of season left, and we'll see how the season goes. Um, ultimately, he's you know in a position to be in consideration for that position. I had a talk with Steve. No promises were made, and uh, but obviously, if he does an incredible job, he's have to be in consideration for that. Jim Trotter, uh, I'm just gonna get uh, get the ball and give you a bounce pass. <laughs> and let you go ahead and do your thing here. Uh, but I'll just say the news. Obviously, not a surprise to many. He's been on the hot seat seemingly since he took the job. Matt Rule uh, was fired by the Carolina Panthers. They fired a couple of assistants, too. Steve Wilkes takes over as interim head coach. Wilkes, if that name sounds familiar to you, he was the one-and-done head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they went 3-13. and 13. He was in a rebuilding situation. He knew he was in a rebuilding situation when he took the Cardinals job. They gave him one year. They fired him. They drafted a quarterback for the second year in a row. Uh, And that quarterback was Kyler Murray. They bring in Cliff Kingsbury. And that's that's where that is right now in, in Arizona. They haven't really distinguished themselves as a credible contender. But what do you make of Tepper's comments, Jim, when he says of Wilkes, uh, he's in consideration if he doesn't if he does an incredible job, then the job can be his essentially. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, just incredibly insulting, um, incredibly unfair. Not that the NFL is fair, and to a larger point, what it said to me, Michael, is. 
I don't expect much to change when it comes to the hiring cycle in the NFL. Because when you say he has to do an incredible job just to be considered, I mean, what are we talking about here? This was almost as insulting to me as 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 um, a couple of years ago when Arthur Blank said, after Raheem Morris got that team off to a hot start after they had fired Dan Quinn, and 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 Arthur Blank joked about um, that maybe Raheem would be considered, you know, despite everything he had done to that point. So I think they won five of their first six after he took over or yeah, something said, like I think that. He says that. I think he said that he has to be undefeated if he goes undefeated. Is that what it was? Okay, like I couldn't remember the exact yeah, quote. It was, yeah. it was, it was pretty, so, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah, so I remember um, at the time I was doing a podcast and we had Arthur Blank on and I remember asking him about, asking him about that and I said, you know, can you understand why some would find that insulting? that you would say that. And then he, I remember he said to me in essence that, hey, everyone knew I was joking and whatnot. And my point to that was, we are now in, in, in a situation, circumstance and time where th you shouldn't be joking about this. It's too serious. You know, you have black men who have spent much of their adult life trying to climb the professional ladder to become a head coach. And then when you as an owner joke about what it would take for them to actually get an opportunity. I come back to that word like we were talking about early, an opportunity that they have earned um, and that they can't get. When you would joke about that, I can't begin to tell you what message that sends to these coaches because I've talked to them. I, I know how many of them feel about that. And so, look, let me say this about David Tepper in this situation. It may have just been a bad choice of words, that he used. Mm. I don't know David Tepper personally to say what his thought process is. I do know what the numbers reflect as it relates to NFL hiring of black men as head coaches and they're disturbing and the league acknowledges that they're disturbing. So I would say this too. Let's not forget that Steve Wilkes assigned his name, attached his name to Brian Flores's lawsuit, discrimination lawsuit right. against the NFL and the owners. And so to me, I'm just saying this, that comment by David Tepper there would be in my arguments right up high about how owners feel about black coaches in the NFL, that if you do an incredible job, and that's the key word, an incredible job, you'll be considered for the position. Mm. I don't know about you, Michael, but if I owned yeah. a company and I had an employee who was doing an incredible job, I'm not letting him out of my building. That's right. That's just me. Yeah, and, and you're right. I, I love I love what you're saying here, Jim. And you know, I think it's such a difficult job to be a, the interim head coach because you don't really know what the expectations are from a number of people. So the expectations could be, hey, I, I'm, I really was looking for it from the oh, from ownership. I was looking for an offensive guy. I was looking for a defensive guy. I was looking for a bigger name guy. And so from that standpoint, there's nothing you can do. It's not even about the job that you're doing. They're looking for someone else. You don't know if that owner 
is actually going to do the work and talk to the players about how you've done and how you have maybe changed the culture for the better, even though it doesn't show up on the record. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, When I was growing up, and this is a this is a coach we both have a lot of respect for, uh, rest in power. And you covered him. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to cover him, but he was uh, the, the the head coach of my hometown team. When I was growing up, a guy named Sam Ritigliano was coaching the Browns. He got fired. I think the Browns at that point were one and seven when he got fired. So halfway through the season, they won a game. He was replaced by his defensive coordinator, Marty Schottenheimer. Marty Schottenheimer down the stretch. You know what they went down the stretch the final eight games. They won half of them. They were four and four, but it was so clear Jim that Marty Schottenheimer had changed that culture. Even though he only won four games. He won four games 500 nothing. You know, bare bones. You know, Marty, you know, very, uh, very professorial. Uh, just hey, very fundamentally sound. It's not going to be any fireworks bells and whistles, but he was the right guy for the job. And clearly he helped turn the Browns around got him to AFC championship games when he moved on from Cleveland did the same thing in Kansas City. He was a turnaround specialist in my mind. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer is a Hall of Famer, but based on the standards that these guys are uh, verbalizing now Marty Schottenheimer would never he never would have been hired as an interim coach only won four games. So you really can't even look at it as a one loss thing. It's what are you doing? Have you done anything to stabilize the situation or actually improve the situation that you've inherited without benefit of training camp, installing your own system, picking your own coaches, all the things that interim coaches just kind of run into and you're expected to be functional when you haven't created anything that's going on in the environment. I think David Tepper should be ashamed of himself. He really should give... um, Steve Wilkes, the inside track to the job because he's got the most crap that he's got to deal with. Anyway, Jim, I appreciate you, man, speaking truth on this program. Good to see you, brother. I appreciate you, my friend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.